We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa know-how. The Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen, who was uh, saved by a couple listeners, a small number of listeners who did tweet in with the hashtag Save Whalen. So he um, lives on this podcast to see 
another week despite despite some some bad takes last week uh we're going to review week six of this nfl season if you're listening to this podcast on itunes or stitcher and are enjoying it take a moment and leave us a rating and or a review we'd greatly appreciate that thank you to those of you who've done that uh, already uh, before we start breaking down the games we've got a few more pressing matters to get to and these are these are worth these are worth tweeting at us about too if you uh, have some responses to these uh, various topics uh, at Whalen with a number one for the L I'm at Derek Van Riper it's spelled probably the way you think it's spelled um, that was a shot at my Twitter handle there but continue every time I say your Twitter handle I feel like it's I'm a taking mouthful. a shot at it even if I'm not yeah it's a bit of a mouthful but you know it gets the job done it's a vanity license plate that's what your Twitter handle is. Kind of. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. A vanity. I mean, maybe. 100%. I would never get a vanity license plate. No, you probably wouldn't. But if you did, that's what it would say. All right. I did see one the other day. I took a picture of it, and I'm, I'm waiting to tweet it out for I need some more context. But somebody was driving around Madison and one that just said, I play defense. Hmm. Like in life? Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. It's like, was... I don't know, was that like James Harden's van that he was driving around trying to like spread the word? I don't know. Just, just trolling everybody? Yeah, like some sort of history with defense there. What kind of car was it? I want to say it was a, it was like a gold Dodge Caravan, I think. Let me, I have it's even more bizarre. Yeah, right? I know. Um, yeah, it looks, yeah. Oh, Chrysler Town & Country. Yeah, that's so, pretty much oh, the same says, thing. Yeah, it just says, I defend. Oh, that's that, not a military plate or anything. No, that's probably a military plate. I would, I would, I would assume that that's yeah. yeah I mean, I should have, I should clarify. I play defense is obviously way too long for a license plate. Well, no, a lot of people listening haven't been to Wisconsin, so they don't know that we have twelve character license plates. Do we really? No, okay. we don't. Um, we're going to move on from that. Uh, we do need to give a, a nickname to the AFC South. Is America's division the appropriate nickname? You've called it that that's for the, years. That's the incumbent nickname, right? Um, I mean, it might, the, the division might have the four worst coaches in the NFL right. all, all together. Like, yeah. 29 through 32 may all be coaching teams in the AFC South. Right. I mean, Gus Bradley's been able to save his job by landing back-to-back games against the Colts and the Bears. Um, and that's been huge. Obviously, we saw the NFC South, or the AFC South, America's division, was on full display on Sunday Night Football. Um, I mean, Jags-Bears was a, a mess. Uh, I kind of felt bad for most of the, the viewing public in the Midwest that were subjected to that as the national game. Uh, it was shocking to see the Jaguars. I, I thought there was some sort of mistake. I, I didn't know if my roommates were like pulling a prank on me or something when I saw that game on Fox. How would um, they even do that? Well, you know, you can you can pull up the stream of the game or something. <laughs> I, I seriously said, "I'm like, oh, did you, are you guys streaming this?" And they're like, "Oh no, it's the game." <laughs> so yeah, it's it's just it's it's crazy to see the Jaguars play a you know a national TV game. Well, they, it was local in the upper Midwest right. when the Packers played in yeah, the other the block. Storm. Right. It happens about once a year where if they if they're playing uh, NFC North teams or if they play like Indy and the Packers play some other time, then that's yeah, the way the they get. Yeah, we're they, able to catch the Jags on national TV. But yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, America's division obviously it's catchy, it makes sense, but I think we might be able to do better. I don't know where to begin though. Uh, other eight, than eight uh, wins in a cloud of dust. Eight wins in a cloud of dust. Yeah, eight and eight could win the division the this People's year. Division. 
Well, we're going to stick with uh, America's okay. division for now. If you now. got anything better, let us know. Yes, definitely tweet at Nick if you have something better. Uh, you are concerned about a habit you've developed recently. And, and, and your your quirks, uh, your your way of life is often scrutinized. It, it's right. probably not fair, but it's definitely not fair. it is a burden that you have to bear mm-hmm. uh, nonetheless. Now, you wanted to know, is it, quote, hot or not to brush your teeth at the office? Um to clarify, you don't do it in the office. You no, go to you no. do go to the bathroom. You're not right. like at your desk with a, a like a rinse no, bowl, which would be yeah, that would be that would be something. That that'd be, be that'd be that would not. I, I can if I had a faucet at my desk, maybe I would do that, but I don't. I am, uh, as you can imagine, not the authority on whether something is hot or not. I could I could take yeah. a poll, ask some people maybe, and they could they could weigh in. I I don't think it's weird. I mean, I've just been I've been called out. You know, I do it in our you know the, the bathroom. That's is shared by multiple offices, and you know I'm not not trying to hide it or anything. But you know I've gotten a couple looks, a couple comments from from some of the guys in the bullpen out here, and hmm. you know I, I could see. I just, I just want to know overall in general, like would you be like, is it like you're not like grossed out by seeing someone brush their teeth? Is that just something you shouldn't be doing in the office? I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not in a position to judge. No, some people uh, dentists tell you to floss at at work is a way of uh, not avoiding it when right. you're at home. Because when you're at home, you just want to go to bed. Yep. You don't want to deal. At work, you are happy to go spend fifteen minutes flossing your teeth. So fifteen it's, minutes—that seems low. It's a really good. Minutes. It's a good strategy yeah. by the American Dental Association mm-hmm. to even suggest that. So I, I don't. I, I think what you have to realize, and you know this as, as well as anybody, the people on the other side of this wall—they're very good people. Great people. They are. They're some of my favorite people in the world. Some of my closest friends, even. This is not a room full of people, and I'm, I'm pointing to the, the room directly behind me right now. This is not a room full of people who are uh, subscribers to like GQ magazine, for example. Like we, we are not at the, at the forefront of, of style or anything that pertains to, I don't know, uh, cargo high-end appearance related matters i mean aside from clothing like grooming like in this office below the curve or no no better than average so yeah. so you you are going to get some crap for brushing your teeth okay. here and i think if you worked at like a marketing agency in manhattan there would be a line out the door to brush your teeth in the bathroom at work yeah, that that I could see. I think that makes sense. I mean, I've worked in the in the construction industry during uh, during high school and college, and I think I, I think I honestly might have been fired if I was caught brushing my teeth on the job. Yeah, that doesn't seem like the kind of place where you brush your teeth. I think on the I job. found a happy medium here. Yeah, yeah, this, this is your happy place. Um, last concern, uh, and again, I, I apologize that we've spent time on this, but hopefully, it's entertaining in some facet. Uh, you want to know, as a Jags fan, what should you wear to a Bears-Packers game? This is kind game? of a serious question in some ways. Like, I, I'm sure a lot of people have faced this. You know, if you root for a team that's non-local or if you're traveling and you go to a game that's you know, not your team, I don't own any Packers gear. I obviously don't own any Bears gear. What does a neutral fan wear to a, to a game like this? Well, you're wearing green hoodie right now that looks like a retro Packer green. It's got like a teal inside. Yeah, you get the Jags t-shirt underneath. Yep. If you zip the hoodie... It's got like yellow mixed in, or is that uh, mustard? Uh, Looks like it. That's a lot of mustard. Mustard all over it. No, this is. Uh, I believe this is from Urban Outfitters. Quick shout out to them. Um, they should. They should be paying for any anything like that. But continue. Says or not? Uh, no, I just. I don't know if this is Packer colors. It's too. The green is a little bit too. Uh, 
No, it, 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 it's like a retro. It's a little jade. It, it's good enough. Okay. Well, if if you're really concerned, just just wear that. I don't think so. I think don't I'm, wear the slides. You'll look like a fool no, wearing it's slides. Be, it's a night game. It's going to be like 45 degrees. I see. The thing is, I might just go neutral. I might just be a general football fan and wear like I, an I, NFL shield. Well, I don't know. I have like a Ray Lewis Ravens jersey. You know, like for example, do I just throw that on and just kind of wing it? <sighs> no. I have a Devin Hester Miami jersey. Maybe that, you know, he's kind of affiliated with the Bears. Nope, can't do that. You'll, you'll, well. be, you'll be lumped in with the Bears fans. What, what's your goal? What are you trying to do? I just want to be a general fan. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to wear a sweatshirt to a football game. Do you want to wear a suit, Mr. GQ? Well, Jack Del Rio. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the Mike Nolan-Jack Del Rio game. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So I, I'm not really sure. I might just, I might just wear my Jag shirt and just kind of keep it real. <laughs> well, yeah, you can do that. Like the, the last game I went to, actually, it wasn't the last one. It was a while ago now. They're all blurring together. But I went to one. It was like a Packers-Jets game a few years back. And a Giants fan showed up in full Giants gear. And he was just talking crap to everybody. Right. Like, That's fine. He, like, was, he, he was there, and he's like, I just want to fight everybody. So I'm just going to wear my Giants stuff, run my mouth. And right. it wasn't Liss, to, <laughs> just to clarify. I know people were no. wondering if it was Liss. It wasn't Liss. Right, that was the first thought. No, I mean, I'm not going to try to fight anybody. It, you know, it's just it, – it would feel odd to just kind of assimilate and throw on a Packers shirt or something. You know, that does not – that's not a true fan. That's not really your style. Why don't you just wear like a Bucks t-shirt or something? Or that's a... in play. That, I mean, that, that usually plays all right. You know, people wear, if you go to a Bucks game, there's like at least 30 Packer jerseys in the crowd usually. Right. So but you have you to help. You have really to help the other you... way, I don't think, does it? No, it's not. Uh, is that re- the reflexive property? Right. Reflexive. Yeah. Yeah. Geometry was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, transitive is uh, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Yeah, reflexive is if A equals B, then B equals A. Imagine the things you you learn on this podcast. You never thought you'd learn geometry geometry again. Um, Why do I even care about that? Well, we didn't get to the bottom of this. Uh, Again, if if there is a correct answer, let me know. On Twitter, on wherever, LinkedIn, Instagram comments. This is a potential crisis situation. Yeah, which social media site are you um, creeping on right now? Uh, mostly Twitter. All right, so find Nick on Twitter. That, yep. That's the, the best place. Uh, busy, busy slate. Uh, a lot of injuries yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest one happening in the Pittsburgh-Miami game. Ben Roethlisberger has a torn meniscus. I have not seen the results of his surgery yet because the actual procedure uh, dictates the timetable, whether you have like a repair or trim of the meniscus versus a full removal actually changes when you can come back. I think the removal is actually the shorter recovery because you don't have as much scar tissue build up and uh, problems like that. But regardless, Landry Jones is going to start against New England on Sunday. The Steelers have a week eight bye. So if it's the shorter end of the timetable, if it happens to be the removal, uh, it could be a week nine in the best case scenario return for Ben Roethlisberger. But what's the impact as you look at week seven, possibly a little longer beyond that on the other players in this offense? I mean, for me, it really hurts the value of Sammy Coates because Landry Jones won't take as many shots downfield, at least you wouldn't expect him to. And maybe it hurts the efficiency of Le'Veon Bell, but it probably increases the volume floor mm-hmm. even higher. It's already high enough as it is. So for me, it almost it almost like only slightly dings Bell. I mean, they spend less time in the red zone. That hurts everybody. So that's where Bell gets downgraded. So he goes from being a top one, top two back to like top six. That's that's the drop. But Antonio Brown is a little harder for me to figure out. He's never caught a touchdown pass from anyone other than Ben Roethlisberger. You can blame... Did he play with Byron Leftwich? 2015 Michael Vick, too. 
how did that, how did that not yeah. work out? But yeah, he, I mean, what are you doing with Brown right now where you have him? Brown, I'm a little more worried. I mean, he's to that to that point now, though, where you can't. I mean, what's what do you really do? You know, do you try to trade him? You have to, you have to I, trade him for like someone else's problem, right? Like you have to I don't you, know. you have to take a, you take someone I else's think his risk on. High enough that you don't have to you don't have to like just get rid of him now and you know hope that his his value isn't lower in two weeks. I mean, we're looking at you know in week nine, week ten return for Ben. I think part of the reason we haven't seen a timetable outside of the meniscus thing is. Or you know the the trim versus repair is that like Roethlisberger just repairs on a different level than other players, especially quarterbacks. You know I think there's a lot of quarterbacks where a torn meniscus might be a season ender. With with Ben, you're looking at it like you know they, they didn't even officially rule him out beyond next week, which which is kind of crazy. So um, you know I think I'm with you on Bell. I think you drop him a little bit just because of the efficiency, but you know those some of those deep targets that aren't going to Sammy Coates, maybe they're dump offs. Uh, you know, out of the backfield to Le'Veon Bell, who who was over 50 yards receiving uh, against the Dolphins. But, um, you know, as far as Brown, I think Coates takes the biggest hit. I think Brown takes a minor hit, but I'm, I'm not really ready to be out on him. Yeah, I I think it's it's a matter of, well, what are you getting offered or what are you throwing out there? But I was trying to figure out if, if I needed a running back. Let's say I've got Brown and I've got other receivers I like. Maybe I've had a problem all year figuring out my third receiver. So I've got four I feel good about and i got to start three. Would I offer Antonio Brown to the Todd Gurley owner today and, and try to upgrade my running back spot on the cheap? Because both players are down in value, at least temporarily, and yet you could see them both still being very good when it matters the most. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good hypothetical. I, I think they're, they're kind of similar situations, I guess. Um, I mean, I, you do have to wonder with Gurley, it's like we're, we're six weeks in now, and you know it's been the same problem week after week. Volume's there. Holes aren't there. The offensive line looks like crap. Case Keenum's up and down. Like, I, I mean, Gurley's going to quote unquote break out of it at some point, but I don't know what's a reasonable expectation. I mean, we're we're over, you know, we're a third of the way through the season, and it really hasn't improved. Well, I think the thing I like about Gurley though right now is that they are getting him more involved as a pass catcher. They had a play design yesterday that really kind of stood out to me. They were in or near the red zone at the time, and they they ran. Uh, they kind of had a jet sweep look. They faked a jet sweep. And Gurley went the opposite way out of the backfield. It was wide open in space, and it just—it was a really nice play design. It kind of thing that I haven't really attributed to the Rams in part because I'm so used to the Brian Schottenheimer Rams that I've assumed that they'll never do anything interesting at all. But they've got players that can be interesting, and in a matchup like Detroit, I mean, they clearly uh, were very productive yesterday, but. I don't know, like the, the Gurley problem, if you will. To me, there's still very little that's different about that team right now than there was last year when he was really effective coming off an ACL tear as a rookie, and, and that's what makes me more inclined to try to go after him if I'm getting even you know a 90 cents on the dollar sort of price. Even if I'm giving up early second-round pick type talent or late first-round pick, I mean, Todd Gurley was a, a mid-first-round pick in draft season six weeks ago. Yeah, I, I like the the point you made about them getting a little bit more creative. I mean, we haven't seen a ton of you know opening up that playbook with, with kind of the lack of weapons there. But it's it's alarming to see Todd Gurley like running in space at, at this point. But um, I don't. Know, I mean, going back to the hypothetical with Brown, like it's both of those guys. I would be like really nervous to trade away just because you feel like you know as soon as you get rid of them, they're going to go off. But I guess when you're returning one for the other, you know, at this point, do they kind of have an equal chance of, of getting back to the value that you know that they held pre-draft? Yeah, I, it's it's possible, but I 
I, I don't know. I, I, I just I look at this. I hate saying I don't know, but I, I look at this season and I, I'm trying to figure out trade wise, like of the players that went in the top 25, top 30 picks, like who has significantly changed in value? Like who's actually viable at a discount? Like yeah. is the girly owner thinking the exact same thing that I'm thinking, or is the girly owner panicking? And it, it probably varies a lot from league to league, but I don't think they're panicking. I don't think they are either because it's not like. It's not like they have a, a high upside backup creeping in to take carries. Like there's, there's just no reason to think that he can't bounce back. And he hasn't been like so bad that he's killing you. You know, I mean, he's kind of like you said, he's got a little bit more volume in the passing game. You know, that's that's kind of kept his value afloat. You know, obviously, I, I think people expected him to probably be top three or four uh, in rushing right now, and, and that hasn't been the case. He's 17th, uh, but he does have three touchdowns and. You know, I, it, it, he hasn't just completely, completely tanked you. Obviously, if you spent maybe the number one pick on him um, and, you know, somebody else went with Ezekiel Elliott seven or eight picks later, you're kind of kicking yourself for that. But, um, you know, there, there's been nothing to suggest that, like, there's some sort of injury or some sort of talent drop-off all of a sudden in year two. Like, uh, nothing seems to be wrong with Todd Gurley himself. No, not at all. And, I mean, again, yesterday, 97 total yards, 14 carries, four catches, um, the Lions allowed a rushing TD to Case Keenum. Yeah. It's kind of, a, a, again, a tricky play design. You don't really expect Keenum to roll out and keep it. And mobility. Yeah, he missed mobility himself. Uh, that, that game was like way more exciting than I expected it right. to be. Uh, Matthew Stafford had four TD passes. Golden Tate showed up. I mean, Golden, Golden Tate showing up and, and going eight for 165 in a score was a surprise. Mm-hmm. But in that Pittsburgh-Miami game, Jay Ajayi going for 204 and two scores. Sure. I mean, that's one of the most surprising things I think I've ever seen happen in fantasy football. Ajayi, you mean? Yeah. Like, like, an, like, an, like, like an all-time shock yeah. level because yeah. it, it's reflected in how many leagues he's available in mm. this morning. He's available in the Stopa League. He's available in the Stake League. He's available in my home league. Yep. Nobody was buying into him. I, I played against him. In one of my NFFC leagues, he was on the bench. I would have lost if the other owner had started him over. I forget who the option was, but if he'd played him, I probably would have lost. It was that close. Nobody nobody seemed to be optimistic about Jay Ajayi. I think he had 13 carries and a TD in week five. But with Foster back, I misread that situation. I, I think I put a lot of stock into Adam Gaze's treatment of Jay Ajayi at the beginning of the year. They, their rift seems to be completely repaired at this point. I mean, we saw Foster carry the ball three times, but the game flow against Pittsburgh and Roethlisberger getting hurt was certainly a factor. The game flow was not supposed to be such that any Dolphins back would get more than 12 or 14 carries. Like for me, Foster would carry 14 times for 45 yards, 50 yards, maybe score, and then catch a bunch of passes if any of those backs are going to be useful, and then it's a Ajayi going over yeah. 200. Well, that's the thing. The situation, I think, is what made it that more remarkable. You know, it's not like this was a game against the 49ers, and they were up 25 at halftime, and, you know, he just carried his way through the second half to 200 yards. I mean, it was just kind of shocking how the game itself turned out, uh, and obviously that line as well. Um, but I, I, th- this is not going to be sustainable, obviously, 200 yards, but, I mean, he's going to be the number one pickup around just about any league you would think now, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he's going to get picked up everywhere. He's going to be expensive on Fab. Yeah. Like, if, if you're in a Fab league with Jay Ajayi, like, it's going to cost you the rest yeah. of your money to get him, right? Pretty, yeah, you would think, unless you kind of hope everyone else is, you know, kind of playing it safe, and you know, he ends up going for much less. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't even know where you reasonably start the bidding. 
80% of your remaining budget? So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm really glad that I paid up and grabbed Kenyon Barner a couple weeks ago instead of Ajayi. <laughs> I mean, what do, you, what are you saving it for if you're saving it at this point? And no, yeah, I mean, this is, this is exactly the type of situation, I guess, you know, where, where, where you make that big play. He's now at 5.7 yards yeah. per carry for the season, but the volume... first in the league in rushing right now after that game. <laughs> gives, you a, gives you a good snapshot of where running back really is at. Right. I mean, in, in the last four weeks, Jay Ajayi had 31 carries combined before 25 yesterday with Foster back. So Crazy. even though I'm smashing the fab piggy bank where available, if I really need a running back, and in Stopa I do, mm-hmm. I still have this level of... of distrust when it comes to the coaching staff, the setup, the offense as a whole. Uh, if you look at the Dolphins' upcoming schedule, they get Buffalo at home in Week 7. They're one of the many teams on bye in Week 8. They get the Jets in Week 9, and they get the Chargers in Week 10. None of those games are games where you expect the opposing team to just completely blow the Dolphins out. Like They don't have any matchups like that coming up in the next several weeks. I mean, they get the Rams in 11, Niners in 12, Ravens in 13, uh, things get a little tougher week 14 to get Arizona Jets again in week 15 Bills again in week 16 so the, the Dolphins schedule is is very favorable uh, as far as you know the, them being in positions where they can run it a lot I just have that that lingering doubt even after this massive game that if Arian Foster is completely healthy that it still resembles some kind of timeshare that we're looking at Jay Ajayi maybe as like Terrence West, if everything goes well, which that's that's a that's a moving bar too. I mean, Terrence West right now is probably a top twelve or top fifteen running back. That's that's the game we're playing. Considering what we thought of Jay Ajayi a week ago, like that, that's a nice little bar to, to set him at. I think, yeah, you don't want to overreact to to a game like this. Um, you know, I think Foster becomes bigger for them. Like you said, the matchups are good, but I mean, right now, first of all, Miami's a team that can lose in you know, horrific fashion to anyone any week, right? And I think you can also say that about like 14 other teams in the NFL right now. I mean, how, how many teams are, you know, you're picking against them every single week with no confidence that they're going to win? Like Cleveland, for me, is one. Chicago, I guess. If you, yeah, you lose the Jags at home, you're in that tier. After that, though, it's like, I mean, Indi- or Indianapolis is 2-4. and four. I mean, they've looked horrendous, and then they did for a lot of last night, but... You know, with Andrew Luck, I think they can kind of hang with a lot of teams at least, and it's just it's very hard week to week. I think the NFL is more predictable or unpredictable uh, than it's been in a while. It certainly feels that way. Uh, not really a good game from Antonio Brown with Roethlisberger getting banged up. Uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't really go off in this one either. The Steelers, their road splits are becoming a bit of a legitimate concern. Uh, someone tweeted at me last night and just asked, "Is this kind of like the Saints? Is this the direction they're heading heading in?" And it, it, Feels like that a little bit. But yeah, I mean, one and two on the road this year, and it's still somewhat of a smallish sample size. But the the games that they've lost, I mean, they go back to the Philly game, getting blown out, and and even this one, you know, with Big Ben in the game for for most of it, um, I think it was disappointing that I I feel like they thought they would be up. You know, you you could say, all right, you're going to lose Big Ben at some point in the second half of this game. And I think ideally they would think, all right, you know, we're up by a score or two. You know, Landry can kind of close this out. And obviously that was never the case. Somebody must have heard us talking about the uh, lack of style in the office because I tried to click on splits for Ben Roethlisberger and I was taken to like a luxury men's shoe website. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about the health and well-being of our media room computer. Uh, but as far as the uh, road versus home, and it's only three games this year, uh, Roethlisberger at home, 8.5 yards per attempt. Roethlisberger on the road, 6.5, 12-2 to 2 TD to interception ratio at home, 4-4. to 4 
on the road. So, okay, so it's a small sample. So then you look back at, at 2015. Was there a big split last season? Home, 8.6. Road, 8.2. Certainly not as bad, but the TD to interception ratio, very different. 16 to 7 in six games at home, 5 to 9 in six games on the road. And the yardage totals were, were good everywhere. 348 a game in the six home games, 308 a game on the road. I think a lot of that came and is skewed by what he did at Seattle. Remember that crazy Steelers-Seahawks yep. game in Seattle last year? That probably skewed some of the yardage numbers right. uh, a little bit too since he only played six road games instead of eight uh, with the injuries from a year ago. You go back one more year. You go back to 2014, 8.9 yards per attempt at home, 7.4 on the road, 23-4 to TD to interception ratio in Pittsburgh, 9-5. to away so it's not like he turns into this pick machine but the offense does not run at the same level and the thing I, I don't spend a lot of time on, I spend so much more time on it with baseball than football is examining these splits mm-hmm. in detail like what's the norm what's what's the what's the baseline because every seemingly most teams are going to have a performance difference home versus road you're going to get more calls at home you got the fans making noise just different things like that that are, are factors that lead home productivity to be better than road productivity. But those gaps, like that we're seeing from Roethlisberger and Breeze, they seem a bit more extreme than most, at least on the surface. Yeah, I mean, Breeze has been going on for a while. And like you said, it, I never really thought of Pittsburgh or Ben Roethlisberger in that same vein. And I think the dome thing comes into play with New Orleans because there could be such a drastic you know, change in conditions or um, you know, you know, kind of how they've, how they've played away from home. But um, I mean, is this... Is this something you know overly concerning to you going forward? I mean, as Ben Roethlisberger ages, you know we've kind of seen Breeze's numbers stay up, but the consistency, the decision making, has kind of dropped off. And to me, Ben Roethlisberger isn't quite there yet. Well, I think with with Roethlisberger, yeah, there's still a lot left in the tank, and having Antonio Brown will make any regression much more gradual than it would be otherwise. If he had to play with you know Buffalo's current receiving core the Sands Sammy Watkins version, of course, or San Francisco's receiving core, the regression and the decline might be much more pronounced. They, that right. would hardly be surprising if that uh, that were the case. But sure. as far as Ajayi goes, closing the book on him, yeah, I, I think you do throw your fab budget at him, and I think you, you cross your fingers and hope that this is his job to lose now because the setup is pretty good. Uh, and there's not much out there on the waiver wire this week. We're far enough in the year. I mean, approaching... Week seven, where if you're sitting on a big pile of fab, what are you saving it for? There's right. there's not necessarily going to be a great player to spend it on. That's mm-hmm. that's part of it. It's more of a strategy thing than a Jay Ajayi is awesome, but he, right. he obviously looked good piling up 204 and two TDs uh, yesterday. Uh, moving on to the Bills and Niners, LaShawn McCoy looked really good, left this game briefly with a knee injury, and fantasy football Twitter started to have a heart attack. Fortunately, uh, it wasn't serious. Uh, 19 carries, 140 yards, three TDs. It came back into the game. Mike Gillisley looked good in this one, too. And San Francisco's run defense is very bad. They've been bad since they lost Navarro Bowman. But I think the other aspect of this, aside from that, Buffalo's offensive line looks good. Like, they're protecting their quarterback very well. The Tyrod Taylor seems like he has a lot of clean pockets to work with when he does drop back to throw. And there are plenty of holes for Shady and Gillisley to run through. So I think it's it's come to the point where if you if you're in a league where Devontae Booker is is stashed, which is like a 12 team league with normal size benches, 
Mike Gillisley should probably be stashed too. I think the the difference is Shady looks great. C.J. Anderson doesn't, so Booker seems closer to just taking the job. But I have to wonder, if McCoy gets hurt, if Gillisley is not just a top 12 or top 15 back himself, where he just he can slot right in and, and be not, not as good as McCoy, but still very good. Right. I mean, you're not going to be Barry Sanders like like LaShawn McCoy is. But, right. He is uh, clearly Barry Sanders. Right. I mean, if you believe in this offensive line, then you kind of have to believe in Mike Gillisley, too. I mean, I think when you're looking at these guys who are currently backups or currently in you know disadvantaged time slayer situations like Gillisley is, he still got to 60 yards on, on Sunday because he's such a big play threat, you know, 44 of those yards coming on one carry. So, you know, if you if you have a buy situation, you have injury situation, and you're choosing between a bunch of these uninspiring options, you know, if, you, if you're like me and you had to go, you know, you're deciding between Kenyon Barner or a, you know, a dinged up Jonathan Stewart, you know, that type of situation, and, and you have a, an option like Mike Gillisley, maybe you throw him in just because he's a little more of a home run threat. Yeah, it, I mean, Gillisley has that breakaway sort of ability that a lot of backup running backs don't have. That's that's what stood out to me. Maybe maybe it was the function of the defense. I, I kind of like him. I think he's kind of interesting. Uh, Eagles-Washington, the Carson Wentz hype train seems to have come to a pretty screeching halt. I mean, yeah, he shut it down. But, okay, so Pittsburgh, as we just talked about, they're a bad road team, or at least they've become one or are starting to become one. And then you had the matchups against the Bears and the Browns in the first two games. Okay, so maybe the Eagles just benefited from the perfect storm schedule-wise, caught Pittsburgh on a day where they didn't play well, and then the Eagles also had a good game plan and executed it. I mean, everything seemed to just go right. I, I'm starting to buy in after that. I thought that really kind of changed what they were. I thought they'd be a team that could play good defense, but Washington puts up 27 points. The offense for Philadelphia did not do anything yesterday. Doubled up in yardage. I mean, it was that bad. And they didn't even run that many plays. Like, Ryan Matthews had 60 yards on nine carries. 48 plays compared to 67 for Washington. Uh, discrepancy of almost 10 minutes in time of possession. 26 to 12 in first downs. Brutal. Not great. Matt Jones looked good. Vernon Davis uh, scored in the absence of Jordan Reed. Uh, Davis versus Jack Doyle, I think, is going to be a, a waiver wire tight end. Uh, question for tomorrow it, it's that's where we're at it's, it's fun and I, I felt like this game was never on during the early block on red zone because it wasn't it was a highlight of Wendell Smallwood running back a kickoff after Vernon Davis hit a jump shot on the uprights that led to an excessive celebration penalty which I mean other other than handing the ball to the official there's really nothing more calm that you can do than just flip the ball over the uprights but that's the NFL for you. Uh, the other touchdown for the Eagles was a Malcolm Jenkins pick six, and it was just there. Were, there were really no sustained drives. It seemed for that Philly offense. Five sacks for Carson Wentz. Um, I mean, this was the first game that I guess he really, really looked like a rookie. Uh, but like you said, you know, only twenty-two pass attempts. Just really wasn't on the field, and, and this offense wasn't able to get much going at all. But all of a sudden, Washington four and two. It's amazing, right? Because after two weeks, weren't they 0-2? Kirk Cousins was nearly unemployed like three weeks ago. Wasn't it a case where like Buffalo and and Washington were like, oh, Jay Gruden versus Rex Ryan, who's the first one to get fired? Yeah, I think Buffalo got torched by, was it the Jets? Yeah. Week two. On the Thursday Uh, game in week two. Right, color rush. Um, And yeah, I mean, now both those teams, I mean, Buffalo looks really, really good, despite getting really nothing through the air these last four weeks. But when when Shady McCoy is running like this... um, I mean, I, I still don't, I don't know. You, do you really buy in on either of these teams? I think Washington Washington might be a wild card team. And yeah, that's the thing is they were last year. You know, it isn't like this is coming out of nowhere necessarily. 
Yeah, but Kirk Cousins, is he the type of quarterback that leads you to more than one win in January? No. I don't think so either. No, I mean, if you're, if you're Washington, you kind of just you kind of have to take that, though, right? Who are you going to get instead? Yeah, like, that's that, the thing. It's like, well, you, you know, you're choosing between that. Like, do you – maybe we'll see this offseason, I guess, where, where they go. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the Washington defense is, is you know, good enough to say that, we'll, you know, Kirk Cousins, you win us one game, we'll take you the rest of the way. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so either. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from and the drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy brushing your teeth in the bathroom to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Moving through this slate, which had some games that I had no interest in that at least came out as interesting games, Uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, Got pretty close late. Marcus Mariota, three TDs again, 284 yards through the air, 64 on the ground, kind of making his layups. And schedule's really not bad for the Titans as you look ahead. Part of the appeal of playing in America's division is you get to face, uh, again, probably three of the four worst coaches in the league. If you're the Titans, you probably have one of those other – you have the fourth, but the other three are in your division. You're playing against them. Uh, DeMarco Murray. Didn't go off as I expected, but was fine. 21 carries, 65 yards, and a TD. Where I really got ticked off was Delaney Walker. He just didn't have a steady role. It was Kendall Wright, 8 for 133. Richard Matthews, 3 for 70 in a score. One catch for 21 yards for Walker. And then Anthony Fasano finds the end zone, which just ruins your day. Like If you've got Walker going in DFS or in season long and that happens, you just know the universe is against you. Yeah, that's when you think about just maybe packing it up for the year and daily. Um, but yeah, I mean, look at Cleveland hanging around. It seems like they're able to do this just about every week where you know they're not going to win. You know they're probably going to find a way to, to lose it sometime late in the fourth quarter. But um, considering all that's happened to this team, I'm impressed that they're able to hang around. And, you know, Tennessee is certainly not the most formidable opponent, but three and three, right in the thick of things in the division that your mother warned you about. Yep, she told me not to watch the AFC South. Uh, I, I didn't listen. Isaiah Crowell struggled. Uh, Duke Johnson had a short TD. I thought Crowell was an interesting uh, DraftKings option if you wanted separation in the Millionaire Maker. I had some questions about Tennessee's run defense and whether or not it was actually a good run defense or one that maybe was overrated. They didn't get tested, really. They didn't really get tested, and I, I thought Crowell might expose them a little yeah. bit, but it didn't yeah, happen didn't really give him a shot. at all. Carries, 16 yards, four for Duke, but... But Duke score like if if Crowell just scores in that yeah. game like at his price I would have been able to stomach it and he just he was killing me. Yeah. Uh, Terrell Pryor looking really good thirteen targets nine for seventy five two TDs one just pulling in a horrible pass from Cody Kessler in traffic. Right? Who else is going to make it uh, yeah, from that team? Kind of bizarre, yeah. Joe Thomas and Terrell Pryor right that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean as great of an athlete as he is you know I was just watching one of the old Wisconsin Ohio State games it was on on Big Ten or ESPNU or something and. 
Terrell Pryor's running around at quarterback. Like if somebody would have told you back then when he was you know, basically a Heisman favorite going into his last couple of years there that he would be a future Pro Bowl receiver for the Cleveland Browns. Pro Bowl doesn't mean yeah, what doesn't some mean people what like the NBA. Yeah, it's 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 the most watered down, I think, of the of the league all star games. Yeah, of course he did. Right. So was he one of the first three chosen or was he like the yeah. third alternate? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. Does, does that count? I think it still oh, count. Okay, I mean, I just searched Garrard Pro Bowl. The, the headline for this sums it up pretty well. Jaguars QB David Garrard slides onto Pro Bowl roster. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what what publication was that? The roster. Jacksonville.com, the, the Florida Times Union. Ooh. Hometown favorite. little shade for the hometown guy by one of the editors. Garrard was named because Peyton Manning is playing in the Super Bowl and three other quarterbacks pulled out because of injury. <laughs> Matt Schaub of Houston will start for the AFC with Vince Young and David Garrard as the backups. Who this? I I haven't watched the Pro Bowl I, since I was a kid. Me neither. I used to love the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I I thought it was great when I was ten, and that that situation is one of the many reasons why I have not been interested. So run through fifteen touchdowns and ten picks, Pro Bowler. Way to way to represent. Uh, Ravens Giants. Giants can't run the ball, but it didn't matter. Eight for two twenty-two, two TDs for Odell Beckham after a slow start. Uh, he's now married to a kicking net. I think. I hope, I hope that's a over the top, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm out on that. Uh, I I usually love that kind of stuff. You know, he, the Joe with the Joe Horn cell phone thing. Lad, last week was was good. Right. This week was just like, now, nah, dude. A little force. Yeah. You know? And. And again, this is coming from someone who generally supports all that kind of post, you know, post-play debauchery. But you know, getting the 15-yard penalty—that that was something that he knew was going to happen. Like you could tell he, in the back of his mind, he's like, "All right, if I score, this is exactly what I'm going to do." It just—I don't know. It would have been—you could just kind of tell how how kind of forced and how you know pre-planned it was. Yeah, not not the um, not the feel you want from a, a quality celebration. No. Uh, but the Giants not being able to run the ball to me, I, I don't really see that changing anytime soon, unless they start relying more on like Paul Perkins, and doesn't seem like they're going that direction just yet. Uh, Terrence West, I mentioned him earlier. I think he's a top fifteen running back. Twenty three carries, eighty seven yards, two TDs. Also caught some passes in this one. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think Baltimore wanted to to get a little more dedicated to the run after moving on uh, from Trestman, and we saw that in this game. I mean, Flacco did still throw it forty eight times. Uh, but in some ways, that was kind of the nature of the game, and I don't think it necessarily took away from the run. You know, with Terrence West getting 23 carries, you know, didn't really get to see much of Kenneth Dixon. Um, but yeah, a little bit more balance from the Baltimore offense. But yet again, here they are. You know, either winning or losing a very close game in the last few minutes. Yep, often playing close games, and now things are starting to level out a bit as far as where they're at. Three and three, I believe, after that loss I mean, to the Giants. On the season 117 points against 115. Yeah, no, they they, exactly right. they will probably be an eight and eight team at the end of the year because they're typically pretty well coached. They're not overwhelmed with uh, talent, but they're 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 good enough to hang around. Like that's right. that's, the way, the right that's the way. That's the way. That's the way I look at them anyway. The entire AFC South, by the way, has negative point differentials. Ooh, that's not surprising. Um, one other thought here: Sterling Shepard didn't do much in this one. It's just part of being a rookie receiver, right? Where you're going to have these stretches where 
the volume's not there. I, I think the targets though. Yeah, the, the the opportunities were certainly there, and I, I still I kind of like him as a a buy low, if you will, right now in redraft leagues. If you're trying to find that third receiver, most people out there aren't really in that position. It's trying to find a running backs. That's been the big challenge. But I'm, I'm not giving up on Sterling Shepard after a couple disappointing weeks. I don't think so either. I mean, if if you're choosing between him and Victor Cruz, you know, whether you have them both or whether you're thinking about acquiring one or the other, like, to me, he's still a slight step ahead of Cruz but like you said you're gonna have to live with the inconsistencies like this yeah I I would prefer Shepard to Cruz also Panthers Saints uh, Cam's presser getting some attention after the game obviously he's not happy about the current state of things what what do you expect I I, I, I don't know what they want from Cam either because if he wasn't mad if he showed up and he was all smiles at the press conference that would be torn to shreds too Rogers I'm sure you were watching the Packers game yesterday when he threw that that really egregious pick um, I think it was right around midfield and kind of just showed no emotion, you know, a little bit of a smirk, you know, as he kind of, as he watched the replay, like clearly he never saw uh, the, the second defender there. And right away, you know, people are just killing him on Twitter. Like, does he even care? Why? I don't, I what just, do you want from people? I, yeah, these people are like themselves. Oh, right. That's, that's what makes people people. Like everyone has unique mm-hmm. reactions to those situations. That's Roger's entire demeanor all the time. Like, what is the appropriate reaction? Like, people get on Bortles. You know, I watch most of those games, and he's he's very animated after he throws a pick. It's you know helmet slam or kind of a, a little mini tantrum. And right, that's his thing. That's yeah. his coping like, mechanism. Yeah, it doesn't look great, but is like, would you rather have that than just kind of a stoic walk off the field? I don't know. Do you want your star quarterback to go slam his helmet on the bench and like yeah. break his hand accidentally? I mean, because anyone who's played sports even at any level, I feel like it's overstated. Like the he doesn't care factor. Like I think there's just some if you've made it this far that you're playing in the NFL, like, you have enough competitive fire that I don't think it should be. It's not fair to question whether or not you want to win. I I don't understand how anyone would question that with Rodgers. He, he had a bad day. Like Cam. Right. Cam had an okay day, 27-47, to 322, two TDs. Uh, had a pick in this one. Jonathan Stewart, a couple scores, 19 for 85. Yeah, he was doing a lot more than I expected. It was a very like, vintage last year's Panthers game, but last year's Panthers pulled that out. That is kind of the key difference. Cameron Artis paying inactive in this one. I thought Mark Ingram would do more. Instead, Kobe Fleener had a rushing TD to go along with 6 for 74 and a score through the air. Brandon Cooks made another big play, an 87-yard TD, over 170 yards from Cooks. Michael Thomas was good as well, 5 for 78 and a TD. And then Willie Sneed, only 4 for 47. But the Saints just went off in this matchup. And their defense, yet again, left the door open for Carolina to rally back and make this one really close. Uh, in the end, but the Panthers being one and five, I I did not see that coming at all. You mentioned Josh Norman before. As important as he is or may have been to that defense, the pass rush isn't good, and I wonder if he would even be the same player if you were playing that defense with the pass rush taking the step back that it's taken. Yeah, it, it's really tough to say. You know, I think it looks good for Josh Norman individually, right? You know, that his old, he leaves his old team and all of a sudden they're one and five and they're hemorrhaging points. They've given up, you know, they've given up more points on the season uh, than New Orleans has. Obviously they've played one more game. Um, But I mean, that's, you know, the offense for Carolina hasn't really been the issue. I mean, it's had a couple off games, but, you know, I think generally you'd like to think that if you put up 38 points on the road, uh, you'll get the win. But I mean, it's it's just so uncharacteristic uh, of this Carolina team, but I think I've said that now for two or three weeks in a row, and at this point, maybe we just have to assume or or kind of forget that this isn't the 2015 team anymore. 
It is not. And if you look at the upcoming schedule, you've got the Cardinals. That's after the bye. They, they get a bye. Cardinals at home. Rams on the road. Chiefs at home. Saints at home. Raiders away. Seattle away. Chargers at home. Redskins away. Falcons at home. Bucks away. That's what's left for the Panthers. Not good. This is a one in five team, too. I mean, uh, yeah, it's easy to look at some of those games and and say, you know, okay, they're home to the Saints in a few weeks. You like that? You know, at the Rams, like they're a worse team than anybody that we just mentioned. Well, they have to win. I, I don't know. I, the record wise, sure, the Rams are better, but I don't expect the Rams to win that game. I, I, no, I mean, are we? Is Carolina just out as a potential playoff team? They, are, I mean, they're on life support. They have to win eight games to win to get nine for the season and i think that's the low end of what you would need to get a wild card so you're gonna need some help if you win nine foregone i mean i don't know i don't love atlanta all that much and they've lost two straight now but i i I don't see carolina catching them you have to go eight and two where you play five games at home so that certainly helps so if you win the five home games cardinals chiefs saints chargers falcons and then take three on the road they could win at los angeles they could win at washington and they could win one at Oakland or at Tampa. I mean, it's it's possible, but it's... You can't lose back-to-back games the rest of the year. Nope, can't do it. Uh, that's where things are for Carolina. And uh, I thought we'd see uh, something better. I thought we'd see a bounce back against New Orleans last week. Because New Orleans is a team that I don't... Their offense is great, but their no. defense is so bad that I just don't expect them yeah. to really beat quality teams. I think, I think it was you who said last week, you know, you're... I, I don't know if there's a team more in need of a bounce back than Carolina, and there's not a team you'd rather see on the schedule than New Orleans. And if, I mean, if you can't beat New Orleans when you need the bounce back, I don't know when it's going to come. Especially with Cam coming back to you, that was kind of the the blow for Carolina. I mean, they lose that game with Derek Anderson, you're kind of like, well, they had Derek Anderson, but they lost it with Cam. Uh, Jags Bears, you were wondering and asking me, and I don't have the answer to this question: Are the Jags back after getting oh, a big they're win? They're back. They're back. I mean, you go, you go, you go and beat a team. Across the pond in India, Indianapolis. Back to what exactly? They're back to contention. Oh, contention. Contention. Playoff contention. Okay. Well, yeah, in that division, everybody's right, everybody's exactly. a contender. They're right in the thick of it right now. I mean, I think Indy, Indy beating Houston would have been big for the Jags' chances Sunday night. I mean, now Houston's got two games on Jacksonville, but commandingly Tennessee sitting at three and three. Those two match up in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, I mean, you never want to get too ahead of yourself with this Jacksonville team, but I think they're definitely back. Aurelius Ben scored the eventual game-winning TD. Did you see the highlight of how that came about? Yes. That's how did that happen? Scores touchdowns is when there's basically a technicality. Why is he even getting a target? I don't know, man. I didn't even know he's on the roster. Oh yeah, he's 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 there. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's an Illinois guy. Maybe he's a little a little extra motivated to go up against the Bears in Chicago. Maybe that's that's really the only explanation I can come up with. Maybe Jags now two and three as they try to uh, work their way back. Still got two games against the Texans. So two, yeah, and you know two against Tennessee. Things are are looking up on the Bears side of this one. One thing really kind of caught my eye, aside from you know, Elshon Jeffrey, Cameron Meredith both being productive, not getting any TDs, 11 for 113, 15 targets for Meredith, 7 for 93, 13 targets for Elshon Jeffrey. Kadeem Carey had nine rushing attempts in this game. Jordan Howard had 15, but that looked a lot more like a timeshare than I would have expected. Howard uh, didn't have the efficiency yesterday, 34 yards on the ground, but did find the end zone. I like Jordan Howard quite a bit as a player, and, and we can certainly make a case for the Jags as a legitimately improved defense. But Kadeem Carey's workload, for me, is something that I really don't want to see if I'm a Jordan Howard owner. 
No, not at all. And I think the Bears tried to get Jordan Howard going in this. I mean, 15 carries, only 34 yards, didn't get anything, I think, longer than nine yards. So I don't know if it was just, all right, we've pounded this guy the ball. It's not working. Give Kadeem Carey a try. I, don't, I mean, I don't know that Kadeem Carey is as much of kind of a, a mix-up, you know, as far as different running style from Jordan Howard, where you see that as, okay, Howard didn't work. Maybe this guy will work. Uh, but I'm not ready to credit the Jags run defense either I mean that that's I don't know this this one game sample to me slow uh, hasn't down been quite enough I think they wanted to force Brian Hoyer to beat them he, he very nearly did I think four games in a row now over 300 yards uh for Brian Hoyer but this was ugly I I, I would never read too far into a, a a game where you're playing against the Jaguars if you're a Howard owner or a Jeffrey owner like might as well just cross this one out and it kind of goes the same way I guess if you're if you're owning Jaguars players going up against the Bears might as well just cross this one out. It's like tagline for the Jags yeah, South, yeah. every week. Bengals on the road at New England. They played well, but they lost. Brady, 376, three TDs. Rob Gronkowski, seven for 162 in a TD. Uh, got into it a little bit with Vontae's Perfect, who also took a pretty like nasty shot. Was that Martellus Bennett? Like Bennett, yeah. Just right into his legs. Just really, really dirty play. Things that we've just become accustomed to seeing. From perfect, I have to wonder if he gets suspended for that because it was it was all over Twitter, which right. means the tapes going to the league office. Yeah, and well, it's like in theory, there's nothing really wrong with the hit, you know. I mean, it just just intent to injure yeah, though. Right. But there was there was no. It wasn't it wasn't like the ball was like thrown over right. Bennett's head and he just happened to hit him low. Yeah, like exactly. he just went and like cut his legs out. Where it's like tough to actually prove, but obviously, if for anyone with common sense and given Perfect's history, you can kind of see what he was going for. Yeah, the league doesn't always apply common sense, but in this case, I think they'll be able to figure it out. They should just let him and Martellus just like one-on-one cage match. Gronk was John with him for a bit too, and that's kind of an interesting matchup physically too. Uh, James White had two TDs, eight catches for 47 yards. Julian Edelman's value is on the decline, but I brought this up with, with Jake on the XM show. Do you think about Edelman in the scope of just these two games with Brady, because he's still getting target volume, or are you grading him, even though he played four games with backup quarterbacks? For me, I, I don't think he should do that. Same, it, it's been the same, but it instead of instead of calling it like a six-game slump, to me it's more of a two-game slump. It's just it's two games with Brady where something else worked instead, and that's kind of the nature of the New England offense. And I, I think Edelman, if you're in a full-point PPR league. If you're getting discounts on, in trade, and I think you probably would be in a lot of places, I think it makes sense to go after him. I think so, yeah. I mean, his best, excuse me, best two games of the season were weeks one and two, uh, Arizona and Miami, and you know, you're still only looking at 66 and 76 yards there. And I don't know, I'm a little concerned. Uh, the target volume, I guess, you know, he's, he's been at six or above um, in all but one game this season, regardless of the quarterback. So that's nice, but the efficiency hasn't been great, and how much success they've had, kind of feeding the tight ends, I think. Yeah, I mean, from a pure football perspective, New England certainly found something that works, but um, it just seems that they've kind of moved away from Edelman, not necessarily on purpose, but just because you know throwing to the tight ends has worked so well. Yeah, maybe having Bennett there ultimately hurts Edelman, whereas before I don't right. think anybody was really looking at it that I mean, way. This is basically what they had in Hernandez a few years ago, right? It's similar. In just, some ways. Just another big. Ways, not so similar. Yeah. Just another big body that you're going to yeah. throw the ball at a lot because he's, he's athletic and he can he can make plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Bengals, Andy Dalton vultured a rushing TD. Uh, the running backs were quiet. Hill and Bernard didn't do a lot. What do you make of Cincinnati right now after this loss? Two and four. Right? I mean, Surprising. I, this was a team that I was ready to pencil in, I think, as a, at least the wild card, you know, one of the wild cards in the AFC. Um, 
I thought, you know, probably Pittsburgh takes the division, but it's another one of those years where they're back and forth and maybe one goes 11 and 5, one goes 10 and 6, or, you know, even 12 and 4 finish. Uh, but Cincinnati doesn't look right at all. And they, they've had some, you know, a tough early schedule. That's been part of it. I mean, their wins are over the Jets and the Dolphins. You have losses at the Steelers against the Broncos, at Dallas, and at New England. I mean, those are probably four of the top eight teams in the NFL right now, maybe even four of the top six or seven. Um, so, yeah, I don't look at any of these as being, like, bad, bad losses. But I think going into the year, or even, you know, back in week one, week two, week three, you kind of thought Cincinnati was in that tier with those other teams, with your Denver's, with your with your Patriots and, and the Cowboys. And they're down 28-0 to zero, uh, against Dallas at, at one point last week, made that a little bit more respectable. This one was never really close with New England. Um, I'm not ready to write them off as, as being a bad team or, or a team that can't get, get back into the playoff race, but they're clearly a, a tier below you know the, those four teams that we just mentioned. I think they're trending right to where the Ravens are going to be, kind of as an 8-8 eight and eight team. They're not going to make the playoffs necessarily. Yeah, and I mean, the nice thing is they get Browns, Redskins, Giants, Bills, Ravens, their next five. And they get the Browns a second time. Yeah, the They've only played them the once. Eagles, who suddenly look very mortal. When the, mean, the schedule opens up considerably for them, but they're going to have to. I mean, they're kind of in that same boat as Carolina, where you want to get back into the real thick of this. You can't drop two more games in a row. No, not a lot of margin for error right now for the Bengals. Uh, Chiefs, Raiders, Jeremy Macklin did not pay off the way I expected, but we saw Spencer Ware run well 24 for 131 and a score. Jamal Charles, 9 for 33 and a TD. I'm beginning to have this this concern that where's good enough where Charles doesn't have to be heavily utilized for a while. Maybe they get to a point week 10, week 11, something like that, closer, maybe even closer to December, where they decide, okay, now we're going to kind of make it more of a split. They they had this luxury as far as bringing him back in the first place, but a 24 to 9 carry split is not something you feel real good about if you're a Jamal Charles owner. No, especially when Ware turns those carries into 131 yards and, and a score and you know, and also gives you a little bit through the passing game as well. I, I think you know, Jamal Charles, nobody's doubting, is the better player of the two, the more proven player, the more dynamic player, but he's coming off of you know, multiple knee injuries. Like, I, if you're the Chiefs, are you, you saying you kind of look at this and say, like, all right, we obviously want to keep Charles involved, but we don't really have a reason to pound him 25, 30 times a game anymore. They, yeah, they don't have that incentive at all because they have a back that can yeah, be just I mean, as good. Ware isn't all that big, I think. Doesn't seem like it. That's, maybe that says more about where than it does Charles. So the Chiefs, they win this game by 16 coming off the bye. They really kept the Oakland offense quiet. It was pretty much Amari Cooper or bust. Uh, 10 catches for 129 yards on 13 targets for Cooper. Michael Crabtree was quiet, 2 for 10 on 4. Uh, DeAndre Washington had 10 carries, got almost 5 yards per carry with those. Jalen Richard less involved than I expected. So a disappointing game for Oakland, but Kansas City coming off the bye. Andy Reid's success in those situations, very well documented, and yesterday just adds uh, to that. Dontari Pogan in the end zone. Oh, man. It, it was a bad day for the Chiefs pass catchers. Like Even in, even in a 16-point win, none of them produced anywhere near where you wanted them to be. Falcon Seahawks. A pretty bad missed pass interference call at the end of this yes. game. Richard Sherman getting away, hooking the arm of Julio Jones on the game's final I like, significant no play. In real time. I was, I was watching with a couple guys, and we, we thought right away, like, oh, great no call. And then as soon as they showed the replay, it was very, yeah. very, very obvious. Like, I, at first, I thought Dan Quinn I mean, was going insane on the sideline, and it was like, all right. Yeah, he was going crazy. Not that bad of a call, but the replay confirmed it was a pretty horrible call. It was. Uh, Julio Jones had played well in that game, 7 for 139 at a score. Matt Ryan, 27 of 42, 335, three TDs. 
playing his way into the MVP conversation at this point. Uh, a much better game than Russell Wilson, who had 270 yards, no touchdowns. It was the running game for Seattle, piling up the points. Kristen Michael, 18 carries, 64 yards, two scores. Alex Collins had a short touchdown in this one as well. The Falcons didn't run it that well. Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman combined for 52 yards on 18 carries, three catches for 10 yards for Freeman. Uh, neither back was was good this week. I thought Freeman in full-point PPR was actually going to be good, and I was wrong. Falcons very nearly won this game, though. I mean, if you get that P.I. call at the end, you have a pretty good chance to, to you'd think, win it on a field goal. Um, Matt Ryan threw a bad pick late in this one that that allowed. I mean, Seattle scored, had the extra point block that would have tied the game, you know, get, get the ball right back, basically, and kick the go-ahead field goal, which I think was a 54-yarder. I mean, by no means a gimme. A house bomb. Right, a house bomb. Cowboys, Packers. Um... It, okay, I'll, you mentioned Matt Ryan, possibly the MVP. I think through six weeks he probably is, which says a lot about what's going on in the NFL right now. Are Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott in the top five? Like, is, is, Ezekiel Elliott right now has maybe the best chance that we've seen for a rookie to win the MVP at this point in the season, right? Seems like my, it. At least in my recent memory. Yeah. I mean, if, if Dak keeps the job after Romo's healthy and continues to play like he's playing right now, he'll get some consideration because it's right. a quarterback-centric award. But Zeke's been unbelievable, and that was against the Green Bay run defense. As we kind of pointed out, they had not been tested yet, but they had been very good to this point in the season. I thought it was going to be a problem for them. It was. Look, the the defense got exposed. The secondary is a mess right now with injuries. Cole Beasley, Bryce Butler, you know, uh, Lucky Whitehead, Jason Witten. Those guys should not, Terrence Williams, those guys should not be picking you apart. Lucky Whitehead killed them a couple times. Weird plays. Jet sweep. There was one where Dak got way too much under the ball, and I think it was the Packers were some confused formation wise. It seemed like they sent, you know, it was like when you were playing video games and you accidentally run the field goal block play. Oops. And it seemed like all 11 guys rushed the quarterback, and Dak just kind of lofted one way up to Whitehead, who had just, he just kind of camped under it. And, you know, if he puts anything more on that throw, Whitehead probably takes it to the house. Just knew early yesterday we were in, in for, like, a fire capers hashtag kind of day. Like, it, Packers Twitter has no chill at all. And I, like, I'm frustrated by certain aspects of what they do. I, I don't rail on Rodgers for not caring and have stupid outlandish They're takes like that. Like- See, that's, that's just, that's not even, you can't even dignify that with like a real response but the the problem continues to be the play design and the play calling I don't think Mike McCarthy has adjusted the scheme at all and, and he can adjust the scheme all he wants if Rodgers plays like he did yesterday which will probably go down as one of the worst games of his career when it's all said and done I mean more more turnovers like more picks are up someday but yeah I mean the fumble though is a horrible fumble I mean we were basically on the goal line, and you have... It was first down, too. Yeah, it was yeah. first down, and they had a spread no formation, empty backfield. Yeah. There's no reason to run Just that. go down. Like you, if you, maybe that's something you try on third down after, you know, if Lacey gets stuffed two times in a row. Like you, throw it, throw it where nobody can catch it. Just throw it out of the back that of the end zone. It's our play call and a weird ending to the play. I don't, my roommate was watching with some friends at a different place, and he came home after the game last night holding his Rodgers jersey in his hand. And oh, no. He was like, well, what's going on here? And he just, just dropped it on the floor and said, yeah, I took it off after the game. It didn't deserve to be on me. So he just, just drove home with it sitting in the front seat. It, yeah, you, yeah, your roommate uh, going going real hard. I mean, he, is he one of the guys commenting on the Journal Sentinel articles? No, no, no he's not that bad. He's, he's very into the Packers, but he doesn't take his thoughts to the to the comment section, thank God. Wearing his heart on his 
jersey, I guess. Man, like throw it on the floor too. That's that's cold. Yeah, I mean he has a long history of uh, you know Packers related injustices, but he's mostly kept them off the internet. At least when your when your team's good, these things can happen and matter. When your team is not good, they happen right. and that's they don't matter. That's the point I keep trying to make. Is like, hey, I know this sucks for you guys, but like this is my reality for the last six years, every single week. If you're 25 years old, the Packers have never been bad in your lifetime. They've had a bad season, a couple bad seasons, but yeah. you you don't have distinct year over year memories of a team that just can't do anything. Like it's. The most suffering you've had is watching the offense since the Denver game of last season. That's that's the extent of it. So, is there really an argument to be made that it's worse to lose in the playoffs to be to be a, basically a, considered a top three or four Super Bowl favorite for now? This will be the sixth straight year, and you know, just lose in the first or second round each of the last five years, like the Packers have. Like, is that worse than being the Jaguars and just you, you never get your hopes up? No, it, it, I'd ra- I'd rather go to the playoffs and lose than never go. Like that's if I those are my two choices. It's not exactly. not even hard. Um, Randall Cobb more involved again. He was getting some separation. Rogers was missing him a lot in particular. Uh, Devonte Adams left this game with a concussion. Ty Montgomery was kind of the backup running back. Uh, he works with the running backs in practice. Apparently, they, said they were they were talking about switching his jersey number to give him a, a running back number. Why does it matter? I don't know. Exactly. I, was, I didn't. I didn't know they viewed him that way. There was a comment. One of the commentators mentioned that. I was thinking that too. Is like, what benefit does that give you? He caught ten passes yesterday. Right. It's not like you can't line up in the backfield when you're number eighty-eight. I, yeah, what it, football has some strange right. quirks, and that would be. I, I wish the NFL would relax its jersey policies. Yeah, me too. Uh, I I don't get that. Like, who like, cares if he's wearing eighty-eight? Receiver should be able to be number one. Yeah, it should be like it should just be like college. Wear whatever number you want. All right, well, I'm moving on. Dallas looks good. They run the ball really well. They can run it against anybody. Dak looks legit, doesn't make stupid mistakes very often. Do you want to get into the Dak-Romo thing? I, no, we don't need I to. Don't, yeah, that's, that's going to be just absolutely beat to death this week. This is a fantasy podcast and uh, a GQ wannabe podcast, so we'll stick to those things. Uh, Colts, Texans, Will Fuller was active, didn't play. He was kind of there for emergency situations. Dwayne Allen left this game with an ankle injury. Philip Dorsett got hurt. I mean, Lamar Miller's touchdown late in this one is one of the more ridiculous plays I've ever seen. More importantly, it actually helped a colleague of ours, a friend of mine, Scott Jenstead, uh, do exceptionally well in DFS. Like, uh, yeah, like a six-figure cash. And Scott's a great guy. Like, he's one of the nicest people I've ever met. One of the smartest people I've met. He's good. He's good at DFS, like baseball, football, basketball. Yes, I think he was. He was. He was on Stump the Schwab. He's won the NFBC. Uh, he's won the NFBC leagues before. Like it, it's really impressive resume as a fantasy player. But he's also a great guy. So congrats to Scott for that win. The thing that I was most impressed by is what he, like he he didn't screenshot it and send it to everybody because he's, he's a humble guy like that. And like, I appreciate that because I, I think I think like DFS Twitter is obnoxious with the screenshots and. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, look, that's cool. Like, I'm glad you guys are winning money and everything, but like, realize like you're not sending us screenshots when you have horrible days and telling us how much you lose. I mean, you didn't see me screenshotting when I won seven dollars and fifty cents a few weeks ago. Yeah, you, you're keeping your feet on the ground. Yep. Uh, but the thing was, Scott didn't have forty lineups going. Mm-hmm. He had three different lineups. I think he entered a total of seven contests, and it was like a double up, a five dollar tournament, like the sling yeah, one on one Fanduel. Off, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, he did really well. I, he didn't win the sling one because it's got more entries. Mm-hmm. It's harder to win those uh, lower entry, like bit, like lower dollar entry, larger volume ones because you need even more points to do it. But he had had an awesome day, so congrats to him for that. Uh, that Lamar Miller touchdown might have cost me a win in the Stopa League this week, though. I've got the second highest point total. One Kevin Payne outscoring me right now. Might uh, friend of the program, friend of the program, and he. Um, He's got like a 12-point lead, I think, with the, the cards defense still to go for me. So I need pick Patrick to show up and be really bad tonight. But that's in, that's in play. It's it's a possibility, but I don't I don't ever feel good about relying on a defense for yeah. 12 points. It doesn't even matter if it's a good defense like Arizona's tends to be. Um, one other thought from this game, though. Lamar Miller got the volume and was very productive. Uh, this is a Houston team that is just not going to throw the ball well. And if Brock Osweiler showed up and played well enough late for them to come back and get a win, but they, even even worse than Kirk Cousins and Washington, they seem even less likely to win a playoff game if they get there. I could see it being a lot like last year where it was Kansas City, right? That Kansas City just owned them. Task. I think it was in Houston. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know that Osweiler is, the way that Brian Hoyer is playing right now in, in Chicago, I don't know that Osweiler is a huge upgrade um, yeah, it's tough because Houston, you're bringing in an inexperienced player in Osweiler, but kind of expecting him to win now, you know, and, and yeah, he, he did sit for a while in Denver, so it's not like you're bringing in a true rookie or anything like that. Um, but I, I just feel like his timeline as a, you know, as a developing player doesn't necessarily match up with their timeline as a, you know, the rest of this team is kind of built to win now, whereas we might not see Osweiler at his best, you know, whatever that even is for another two, three, four years. We, uh, we may be seeing Osweiler be at his exactly. best right now, and it may just be a very bad sort of I best. Mean, they're just going to have to kind of ride this out, right? Yeah, the commitment they made, they're, right. they're kind of stuck for a couple seasons mm-hmm. seeing if they get uh, some sort of development out of Brock Osweiler. That's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Eric are back with you with a waiver episode on Tuesday. Your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores.